0: this morning, I want to start a series, okay, a sermon series on core values, okay? You know, I think uh, I think it's important every so now and again for us to uh, to get together and talk about what's important at the church, okay? Obviously, we've just come together with, uh, with Pastor Randy and our friends from, from down the road, and, and, and we're all together, and we want to make sure that we're on the same page. You know what? As a football coach, uh, it's important that your players are all on the same page. In fact, I used to hear from a coach of mine, it's okay if we're on the wrong page as long as we're on the same page, okay? Now, I don't know if that's applicable in the church, okay? Because we want to make sure we're on the right page and the same page, okay? But, uh, by the way, as long as that page is in this book, we'll probably be okay, okay? But, um, But I think it's important every now and then for us to be reminded of what's important here at the church. There's a lot of things that seem important at the church, but, but when you think about it, it's probably not that important, okay? You know, it's, it's not important what color the bathrooms are. By the way, I don't even know what color the bathrooms are, okay? It's probably not important what color the carpet is. I, by the way, there's like five different colors, so I don't know. And, and, and Hunter only sees three of those. He's colorblind. So, you know, again, now, some things aren't super important, but there's some things that are vitally important. And for the next few weeks in this sermon series, I'm going to talk about some of those things, okay? So I'm beginning a series on core values here at LCC. I believe it's good from time to time to remind us all of what's important here at the church. Non-negotiable principles from God's Word that we should all agree upon. Things like loving God and loving people. Well, that sounds pretty simple, huh? I mean, no, it's a lot easier said than done, (laughs) okay? You know, think about it. If we would just love God and love people, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Okay? How about honoring God and honoring people? You know, we talk about honor. You hear a lot said about honor, but talk is cheap. Amen? And I think not only should we talk about honoring people, but we should do things that would honor people. And again, obviously, you guys are honoring us pastors during this Appreciation Month, and we, we, we appreciate it greatly. We also want to talk about like serving God and serving people with joy. You know, I threw in that part about joy, because how many know you can do some things without much joy, okay? But the the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? So that when we serve God and we serve people with joy, I think great blessings follow that. We're going to talk about loving missions, because obviously that is something that is important here at the church. We're going to talk about loving and living by this book. Look, guys, there's a lot of change going on around this world today, but this, ver- this word don't change, okay? There may be some things we do differently here at the church because methodology must change, but the message can never change, amen? Because the Bible says if Jesus be lifted up, he would draw men, amen? So again, we got to be people of the word. we got to do things according to the word. We're going to talk about valuing people. We value people, guys. We value each and every one of you here today. We're also going to talk about praying unselfish prayers and giving sacrificially. And and again, uh, several other areas that we're going to talk about. But today's topic at LCC is, uh, is unity. Because you know what? That's the cement that sticks all this stuff together. Amen? You know, just last week, Pastor Randy shared that... that um, that anything with more than one head is a monster, okay? I've seen a few monsters in the church over the years, okay? <laughs> Any of you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, Maybe at your workplace, it's unclear, Matt, who's the boss. It's unclear how the, the hierarchy of things go. And every day, you come home scratching your head, telling Miss Kayla, ah, "Them some crazy people down at Fouchon, okay? By the way, they're crazy anyhow down at Fouchon, but sometimes they just really go a little uh, extra and above. But today, we're going to talk about unity. Okay? Because why is unity so important? Unity attracts his presence. And guys, we have got to be a church that's about his presence. Okay? Okay. There are so many different churches in our area. Literally, it's like Baskin Robbins. There's a flavor for everybody. Okay? But you want to know what the flavor of this church is going to be? We must be presence-driven. Amen? We must create an atmosphere where the presence of God is not just tolerated, but it is celebrated. Amen? Because in the presence, I'm a better preacher. In the presence, our worship team goes to another level. In the presence, your body can be healed. Your life can be changed. Your situation can turn around. Amen? And it all depends upon unity. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a second, I I haven't seen that word in the Bible too many times. You're absolutely right. Okay, the word unity is not used very much in the Bible. It's kind of like the word Trinity, which is not used at all in the Bible. But I think we're all pretty crystal clear that our God is a spirit deity that exists in three persons. God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Ghost. So today I'm going to talk to you about a subject that though the word is not used much in the Bible, it is crystal clear. Jesus himself taught and prayed for us that we would be one like he and the father are one. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about unity today. And again, it's one of the most important core values here at our church. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your anointing. God, I don't want to stand up here and just pontificate. I don't want to just stand up here and share my thoughts and share my ideas. God, I want to share your heart. And God, I pray today, Lord God, that through my words, your heart would be conveyed. That God... There's a reason why the enemy fights against unity. There's a reason why so much has come against this church down through the years. Because if the people of God can be in one accord, can be in lockstep with you, Holy Spirit, this community will be reached. This world will be transformed. Great and mighty things will begin to happen. Help us today, Lord God, to be one like you and the Father are one. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, a few thoughts about unity, a few quotes that maybe I read. I heard it said one time, the devil doesn't fear a large church, but he certainly does fear a unified one. Think about it, guys. Think about about how uh, how many times the enemy has brought difficulty or brought strife or, or brought challenges to the church or to your family because the enemy hates unity. Amen? In fact, next week when, when pastors is going to share the heart of one accord pastors, it, it, it speaks to Acts chapter number 2. What were they? In one accord, in one place. They were together. And what happened? The blessing of the Holy Spirit came for the very first time. Amen? They spoke in tongues. God moved in a great way. Why? Because unity attracts his presence. Amen? Unity is so important. The Puritans live by this great motto, unity in essentials, liberty in non-essentials, love in all things. Now, look, guys, here's what unity is not. Unity is not uniformity, okay? We're not going to all look alike, okay? We're not all going to dress alike, okay? We're not going to be a bunch of bobbleheads, okay? No, 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 that's not what unity is. The problem is we in our society today have forgotten how to disagree without being disagreeable. You watch our politicians, you watch debate, you watch some of the things that happens in Washington or Baton Rouge or or even Franklin Courthouse, and you see so much strife, so much nonsense, it's because we've lost the fine art of debating. We forgot that, guess what? Me and Fabian can agree to disagree. It's okay. We can still love Jesus. Amen? So guys, unity is just not a bunch of us just going, yeah, yeah, pastor, whatever you want. No, 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 whatever God wants. Amen? That's the unifying key. That is the key to this whole thing, guys, that we be on the same page in things that are essential. Amen? The Puritan said unity and essentials, liberty and non-essentials, love or charity in all things. Unity is defined as the state of being united or joined as a whole. Some, some synonyms include union, harmony, accord. Oneness, cooperation, agreement, togetherness, like mindedness, peace. That sounds like a good place to be, doesn't it? That sounds like a that, that sounds like something I want more of, huh? Friends, this is LCC Berwick today. Amen? Now it's come at a price. It's come at a price. Pastor, you started paying that price 20 years ago. And it's come to a place where we are today. I believe that we're closer in unity than we've been in years. And God's about to honor that greatly. Amen. He's going to honor it greatly. But here's the thing about unity, guys. It's kind of like the, the the farmer said about the milk cow. You know what the problem with the milk cow is, Fabian? She just don't stay milked. Because when it comes to unity, we may be in great unity today, Jen, but one week from now, something may come up. Okay? I'm going to forget to tell you hello on a Wednesday. Okay? Now, I know she's shaking her head. Why would that bother me? Ooh, Pastor, you want to come talk for a moment or two? You let me do this, okay? Look, guys, there are folks that have left churches because the pastor didn't tell them hello. Oh my goodness. You know, I told a bunch of y'all hello this morning, but I missed some of y'all, by the way. Hello, everyone. I've covered that. Check that box if you like. If that pastor don't tell me hello, I'm leaving. I just told you hello. Okay? But seriously, some people get you say that. Okay. But, but sometimes we get so up in our feelings. Okay. We get in our feelings. No, I'm not looking at you, Hunter. Okay. But we get so much in our feelings and that's to our detriment. Cause here's the crazy thing about feelings. though your feelings are very real. Don, how you feel is real. They're not often accurate. You ever felt like your husband and your wife doesn't love you. Let me pick on my 70 plus year married couple back there. Okay. Brother Bernie, you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, man, I don't feel like Miss Anna Lee really loves me today. I don't answer that question, okay? Whew, almost got the, got him in trouble, okay? <laughs> he just smiled. That's the key to being married 73 years. Just sit there and smile, okay, and try to make your wife happy, okay? But here's the deal, guys. It doesn't matter how he feels. After 73 years, he should know. Amen? Amen. But so many times we lean on our feelings. So many times we let our feelings betray us. And guess what? When it comes to unity, like everything else, you better watch your feelings because they'll get you in trouble. But unity is so essential. Now, some antonyms of unity, the opposite of unity, division, disunity, discord, strife. Friends, I'll be honest with you. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and I ain't going back. Say that again. Been there, done that, got the t shirt, and we ain't going back. The reason should be obvious. But, guys, we've seen so much of that in the church. Not just talking about this church, talking about the church. Why? Because we're in a real spiritual battle. Amen? We're in a real spiritual fight. The enemy hates you, the enemy is serious about that stealing, killing, and destroying thing. Amen? But we got to be serious about that unity thing. we got to be serious about this God thing. Amen? James 3.16 says, For where envy and in strife is, there is contention in every evil work. Guys, when we allow division, when we allow strife, we open the door to the evil one. And all kind of nonsense can happen. Haven't we all seen that before? But guys, we're not going to focus on that today. We're going to focus on unity. Amen? A couple other words or a couple reminders about, about uh, dealing with division. Pastor Randy Valamont, pastor, one of our great churches in our fellowship, said this, Division is a distraction that will lead to destruction and possibly derail our destiny. I'll say that again. That's good. Division is a distraction that will lead to destruction and possibly derail our destiny. Guys, we as a church have a destiny. Your family has a destiny. You and your wife have a destiny. The Senecas have a destiny. The Dingers have a destiny. We have a destiny. Let's not let anything derail it. Amen? An unknown quote said this, Discord, strife, and division will give the devil a foothold in our families, our jobs, and yes, even our churches. And how many know footholds can become strongholds very quickly? Amen? That's why you have to deal with it. We have to deal with it. Corey ten Boom said this, Be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. Bricks must be cemented together. Amen? Guys, that's why in my prayer earlier I was praying, Lord, cement us together. Stick us together. Let me add to this. It's God's desire to cement us together so we can be the unified force that he can use to impact our area for the kingdom. Amen? And I'm not just talking about bringing two churches together. I'm not just talking about knitting two pastors' hearts together. I'm talking about us knitting our hearts together with God's heart. Amen? So Jesus addressed this topic in John chapter number 17. And these are some of his final moments with his disciples before his crucifixion. It's a very important time. It's one of the final times that he gets to share in his heart with other believers. And, and at this crucial moment, at this crucial moment, he touched on unity. In fact, he prayed for his disciples then and for us now. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. John chapter number 17. John chapter number 17, we're going to begin with verse number 9. So verse 9 through 11, again, this is Jesus' last time with his disciples, and he says this. He's praying number one for his disciples. Lord, I pray for them, verse 9. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. In that moment, in that moment with those disciples, he chose to pray for them to be one. He knew what the future held. The disciples still were unclear what the future held, okay? But Jesus knew exactly what's going to happen. He knew great difficulty was coming their way. He knew great persecution was coming their way. He knew a choice was going to have to be made by each and every one of those disciples. Or are we really all in? So he said, Lord, make them one. Lord, knit their hearts together. Let everything I poured into their heart become reality. He prayed for them. But you know what's amazing? He didn't just pray for them. Of all the things Jesus could have prayed for at that moment, he prayed for unity. That's how important it was to Jesus, and it should be that important to us. But he didn't just stop with those disciples. Did you know some 2,000 years ago he prayed for you and me? He prayed for LCC Burrick. He prayed for us at this moment, at this time. Let me prove it to you. Look at verses 20 through 26. Verses 20 through 26, Jesus has just finished praying over his disciples, and then he prays this. Verse number 20 of John 17. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which shall believe on me through their word. Who's the them? Us. He's praying for us. He's praying for future believers, Hilton. He's praying for you and I some 2,000 years later. Here's a prayer that Jesus prayed over you, and he prayed over me. Verse 21, that they, talking about us, all may be what? One. As thou, Father, are in me, and I in thee, that they also may be, what? One in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Look, guys, our unity speaks volumes to the world. Our unity speaks volumes to our community. Amen? And so does our disunity. So does when we're not on the same page. So, so, uh, so does when you talk about somebody that you shouldn't be talking about at church. When you talk about somebody at Walmart, okay? Oh, guys, look, we live in a small community. Let me share something with you. If, if somebody will talk to you about somebody else, they're talking to somebody else about you. Is this still on? Let me just help you, okay? If you're taking notes today. If somebody will talk to you about somebody else, guess what? They're talking to somebody else about you, okay? Now, you know how you stop all that humbug? Just stop talking. Just stop saying things you ought not say. Do you know that the Bible says that we're going to have to give an account for every idle word? Ouch. Ouch. Every small thing that we say. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs, he who talks a lot, sins a lot. Ms. Bliss, you want to come up here for the altar call right now? No, no, I'm just kidding, okay? But here's the deal. We've got to watch what we say, amen? Watch what we say, especially if the words that we say could breed division, amen? So let's get back to what Jesus did. Jesus prayed for us. Jesus prayed that us as believers would be one like he and the Father are one. Verse 22. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are. Again, he's praying for us to be together, to be one. I in them, and this is how it's going to happen. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, or complete. Okay, when you see the word perfect, think complete. We can be complete. We can be one in him. That the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, and that thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That's our ultimate goal one day, guys, to make heaven. Be with me where I am, that they may be behold my glory that thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, for I have known thee, and thou hast... And these have known that thou hast sent me and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. How are we one love? Verse 26. That's the only way that's going to happen. The only way that we're going to get in unity and stay in unity is a powerful work of the love of God. Amen. A powerful work of God touching each and every one of our hearts so that we begin to see people like he sees people. Amen? He sees people through eyes of love. He sees people through eyes of forgiveness. Look, guys, this is a message on unity, but it involves forgiveness. It involves you casting your cares on God. It involves you just giving some things to God. Amen? Because, look, guys, I'm not a perfect pastor. I know, a holy hush dropped over this room. okay? I'm not a perfect pastor. Guess what? Pastor Randy's not a perfect pastor. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, keep looking, honey, because we ain't them. But if you're looking for a church where God will be honored, where people will be honored, where a move of God will be anticipated and will happen, this is the place for you. Amen? Because we're going to be unified. We're going to be on the same page. You notice in verses 20 through 26, Jesus said three times that we should be one. I said this last week. When God repeats himself, it's not for his benefit. It's for ours. Amen? He knows how hard-headed we can be. Now, look, guys, we're all Cajun folks. Sometimes we get a little hard-headed. It's why we love each other, okay? We're a bunch of tattoos in this place. But God... God can handle us. And that's why he repeated himself several times that we should be one. And the only way for us to be one is to be one in the spirit with him. Our unity speaks volumes to our community. So does our disunity. Unity brings the glory of God. And the key to all this is love. Love according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, we have a definition of love. We have a de- definition of what God was talking about when he talks about love. Let me begin with the first verse because I love this chapter. First Corinthians chapter number 13, the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity or love, I am become as a sounding brass, as a tinkling cymbal. Friends, it don't matter what you do for God. If you don't do it because of a motivation of love, you're missing the boat. Amen. I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how good you pray out a play or pray. I don't care how good you preach. I don't care what you do. If you don't do it out of a motivation of love of God and love of people, you're missing the boat. Amen. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not love, I am what? Nothing. Preacher didn't say it. Paul did. I'm nothing. Guys, everything we do, we must do it out of a motivation of love. Verse 3, and though I bestow, hey, giving time, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity or love suffereth long is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity bonneth not up itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Friends, this kind of love will never fail. Amen. And that is the way to unity. The route to unity is love. That's the only way we're going to get it. And it's certainly the only way we're going to keep it. You know, I love the message. It's a great translation of the word. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse number 4 out of the message. Because it just really explains what I'm talking about. The kind of love that we need, the kind of love that will keep and maintain unity at this church, in your family, at your workplace, is this kind of love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a big head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Look, guys, score is important in a ball game, but it'll kill relationships. Some of your marriages are on the rocks today because you're keeping score. Come on, you got to be smarter than that. Some of you are having trouble in your family today because you're keeping score. Stop it. Not in my notes. (laughs) Don't keep score of the sins of others. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Guys, that is the key to unity. That is the key to what we're doing for the Lord. That is the key to this church reaching our community. Love in all things. Amen? Love never fails, friends, to bring and keep unity. Now, Paul has some strong words to the church at Corinth about unity as well. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. So just a couple of chapters back. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Corinth had some problems, guys. You know, we think every church is perfect. Well, Corinth wasn't. Okay, there's no perfect churches because there's no perfect people. Okay, if you ever find a perfect church, let me know because I'm gonna go check it out. But the moment I get there, it would fail to be perfect. By the way, if you attended, it'd probably be imperfect as well. First Corinthians chapter number one, verse number ten. Paul says this to to they were dealing with some issues at the Corinth church. And he says this, First Assembly of Corinth. Here's what you got to do. Verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all, say all, that you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. That, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, by my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Verse 12, now this I say that every one of you has said, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Basically, Paul's just saying, clean up your act, Corinth. You're acting foolish, you're making bad decisions, okay? You need to be on the same page. It's not about us and them, it's about us. It's about us being on the same page. Guys, it's so important that we get on the same page and that we stay on the same page. It's why I'm beginning this core value series with this core value, unity, because it attracts the presence. It changes everything. You see, guys, according to Paul, what you say, what you do, and what you think matters. Let me say that again. What you say, what you do, and what you think matters. It matters in all areas. It matters in the area of unity. It matters. Okay, preacher, I believe what you're saying. we got to be unified. So how do we do it? I love the, the, little, uh, the little abbreviation. I learned this from Alton uh, Garrison, Y-B-H. Yeah, but how? Okay, we're going to do it. How do we do it? Glad you asked. Philippians chapter number 2, Paul gives us the answer. Philippians chapter number 2. I love the book of Philippians. In fact, isn't that what y'all about to get started in, Seth? Philippians, or you just finished it? Okay. Philippians chapter number 2. I love it. Beginning with verse number 1. My Bible says the steps to unity. This ought to be good. Paul writes this. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Again, guys, we've got to be on the same page. Christ Jesus can get us on the same page, and his Holy Ghost can keep us on the same page if we'll let him. But here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. How many have learned he's a perfect gentleman? He can make you do anything He wants you to do, but He won't force you. Amen? But if you say, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Guess what? He will. He can and He will. And when it comes to unity, we must let Him. Verse number three, look at this. Let nothing, say nothing. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look, guys, we need to be humble. The Bible says that God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the who? The humble. I don't know about you, but I need all the, all the grace I can get. Anybody else need that? By the way, those of you that are new to this church, don't ever pray for your pastor for patience, okay? Don't you do that because you know what happens when you pray for patience, right? I get put in situations like in traffic leaving the LSU game or in traffic before the LSU game where I need to use and exhibit patience, and I don't have much. Here's how you should pray for me and how you should pray for Pastor Randy and Pastor Ronnie and Pastor Ronnie. Ronnie, all of us, pray for grace because that's what we need, okay? I need grace to put up with those EGRs, you know, extra grace required people, okay? Those difficult people, your mother-in-law. Not my mother-in-law, your mother-in-law, okay? I love my mother-in-law. She's a sweetheart. All right, get back to my notes before I get in trouble. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem his others better than himself. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. We're supposed to look out for others, guys. Look at verse number 5. tells us how. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Guys, look, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 12, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. This is how our mind should be renewed. Lord, give me the mind of Christ. Amen? Because if we have the mind of Christ, we have a mind that's in unity with the Spirit. Amen? We have a mind that is in lockstep with God. We need to ask for the mind of Christ. Amen? Verse number 6. Talking about Jesus now, who being in the form of God, he was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Wow. Wow. God himself. humble. You know, we forget sometimes how humbling an experience it must have been. For Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was there when everything was spoken into existence, the one who who was there before everything else was, to take on a form of man, to humble himself to the point that he put on flesh and blood, to come to this earth not to rule, not to be the king, not to, to, to get everything right, but to make all of us right. To give himself a ransom for all of us. Think about the humility. And some of you get all up in your feelings when somebody takes your place at work. When somebody doesn't, when you don't get that promotion. When, Look guys, there's nothing like God promotion to take care of self promotion. Some of you are worrying too much about self promotion. You need to let God promote you. Because honey, if a God before you can't nobody be against you. Amen? If you let God be God, he's going to work on your behalf. And he worked on Jesus' behalf and he's going to work on our behalf as well. Verse number seven, he made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The most hideous death possible. Capital punishment at the time. That's what Jesus went through. Why? Because of us. Man, think about that. Verse nine. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name above which is every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look, guys, Jesus took the form of a servant and his Father exalted him. The same pattern works today. If you take the form of a servant, God will exalt you as well. Pastor, I don't know if you ever heard this story. You know how my ministry got started? Did it get started me preaching sermons? No. Tobin, you know how it started. I was a junior in college. I just got to big old football player, okay? And I decided to start helping out the teenagers, okay? Now, Matt, you're going to love this. What I did is I sat on the back row. Now, it ain't like this anymore, but the back row in the youth group is the cool group, Ladon. It's all the football players. It's all the kids that are just hanging in. I'm just here. I'm just chilling, okay? And they sometimes want to talk and want to cut up and all that kind of stuff. Our kids don't act like that, okay? And and what I would do is I'd tell them, hush, okay? Now, normally they would respond, Greg, to 20-something, whatever, okay? But I mentioned I had 23-inch arms, okay? I was a big old dude, okay? And Mike, I'd say, hush, and they wouldn't pay me no attention, so I'd reach over there and pop them in the back of the head. Now, look, my waves weren't exactly Christ-like yet, okay? I just got saved, okay? But let me tell you, when a 305-pounder pops you in the back of the head, you're, yes, sir. Okay? So that's how my ministry began and I was pretty good at that. And then think guess what? They asked me to set up chairs. Boy, that's a glorious job right there, huh? tell you remember that? All of a sudden I began to use my leadership skills and I subbed out that job. I used to get some junior high boys. I'd give them a bag of chips and y'all set up chairs, okay? Leadership 101, okay? I was responsible for setting up the chairs. But guys, that's how my ministry started. And guys, God has exalted me from there on out. Why? Because I've tried to keep my heart right. Now, I'm not perfect. Shh, far from it. But guys, the principle is if you'll let God exalt you, oh, it's amazing. If you'll take on the form of a servant, if you'll, there's a quote that I've heard that, that if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you say that again. If serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. The way to lead in the kingdom of God is to serve. Jesus illustrated that. Amen. The way to go up is to go down. Amen. That's how the kingdom works. And that's how unity works as well. Amen? We need to prefer our brothers. We need to think about others more than we think about ourselves. Let me continue and close in Ephesians chapter number 4. Paul continued to tell us a little bit more about unity. Beginning with Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 1. Paul is writing this. He's writing it from prison. In verse number one, he says this to the church at Ephesus. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Look, guys, God has put a call upon every one of our lives, not just us pastors. He's calling us all to something higher. He's calling us all to unity. He's calling us to get on the same page and stay on the same page because there are souls at stake. Let me say that again. There are souls at stake. Amen? Guys, this church has wasted too much time fussing about nonsensical things for us to miss another opportunity. We have an opportunity like no other. Let's get on the same page. Let's stay on the same page. And let's see God be glorified. Amen? Guys, we got to do it. How important must unity be if the enemy fights like the devil? to keep it from happening. Ephesians chapter number 4, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, to walk worthy of the vocation you were called, with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, fighting, striving, the Amplified Version says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the what? The Spirit. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all, but unto every one of you is given grace. You see, guys, God not only suggests unity, he demands it, he commands it, and he's going to give us the grace to accomplish it. Amen? His grace is sufficient for thee. Amen? His grace is more than sufficient for thee. We need to work at, we need to strive for unity, and God will give us the grace needed to accomplish great things. Amen? As I close, and this bliss comes for real this time, I share a short uh, devotional that I read recently. It comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 65, verse number 8 says, The new wine is found in the cluster. Basically, the title is No Unity, No Blessing. See, God told Isaiah the new wine is found in the cluster. Destroy it not, for a blessing is in it. You can't get wine from just one grape. You need a cluster. You can't win a game with just one player. You need a team. Notice some things about teamwork. Number one. The team members must care one for another. Uncaring people on a team remind us of two guys in a sinking boat sitting together at one end doing nothing as the people at the other end are bailing furiously. One says, Thank God that hole isn't in there on iron iron of the boat. Number two, the team members must communicate. During Hurricane Katrina, hundreds died while those who could have rescued them stood by. Why? Because communication broke down. Thirdly, Your rights must take second place. Let me say that again. Your rights, my rights must take second place. The team's success must always be of greater value than your own interests. Your I'll do it myself and that way I know it'll get done attitude robs others of the opportunity to participate, learn, and grow and leaves the job undone or done poorly. A farmer noticed a highway department truck pulling over on the shoulder of the road. A man got out and dug a hole, then got back in the truck. Then the other occupant got out, filled up the hole, and got back in the truck. Every 50 yards, this amazing, crazy process continued. What are you guys doing, the farmer asked. The driver replied, we're on the highway beautification project, and the guy who plants the trees is homesick today. What's the bottom line? god blesses those that work together in unity now you know what that's a crazy story and it seemed total foolishness to do that huh guys we've done even worse in the church of god we've made poor decisions we have absolutely stubbed our we've shot ourselves in the foot so many times we don't have much of a foot left but god's grace is sufficient Amen. And we can't do nothing about the past, but from this day forward, we can ask the Lord to answer that prayer of Jesus in John 17 Lord, make us one. Amen. As I close, be reminded no unity, no blessing. Unity in essentials is a non negotiable core value here at LCC Berwick because God not only expects it, he demands it. Unity attracts his presence while Disunity repels the presence of God, and we desperately need his presence, more of him and less of us.